Please take your Bibles and go to John's Gospel, please. John's Gospel, John chapter 1. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us, with us or need a Bible, that black Bible in the chair in front of you, you can pull that out and go to the back of it. They renumber the New Testament, so find <clears throat> John's Gospel and find page 71, actually page 70, because they don't put page 71, so you'll see, find John chapter 1, we're going to finish chapter 1, we're going to do verses 35 to 51, John's gospel, John chapter 1, 35 to 51, I'm going to read, and then we'll, we'll jump in and do the study and see what, <clears throat> what God has to say, thus saith the Lord, John 1 Verse 35. Again, the next day, John was standing and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he was walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And turning, Jesus saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translate means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. They came therefore and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus, looking intently at him, said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Verse 43, the next day, he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, The one who Moses wrote and the prophets, We found him, Jesus, the son of Joseph, the one from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. Verse 51, he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. <clears throat> I, I like to tell the story of different things that happened with Chris's grandparents. They've have since passed away but there's one story that um, humors me and yet it's not humorous when it actually happened you know Um, Grams and Gramps lived in SoCal and Laguna Hills and and this house that they lived it's a cul-de-sac and about six seven houses down Uncle Glenn lived he still lives there today Um, and they knew the neighbors and the one of the neighbors called Glenn and said, hey, Glenn, um, you, you might want to come down and 
and talk to your dad because he's up on the roof and it looks like he has a rope around his waist. So Glenn trucks down. Now, Chris's grandparents, mind you, they're about in their 80s at this time. So Gramps, he had the idea uh, he needed to go check the roof. Forget ladders. In the two-story house that they lived, he went out the two-story window, forget the ladder, went out the two-story window and was checking the roof and, and he had a rope around his waist and come to find out, Grams was holding the rope. And, and yet, now, no, be careful because he actually had the rope tied to the bed, I heard. So, I mean, hey, so he was thinking about everything. So Glenn said, Dad, what are you doing? Oh, I'm checking the roof. Dad, uh, why don't you come down? Trying to figure out how to get him down since he didn't use a ladder. Kind of be hard. But, um, well, probably shouldn't even be using a ladder, let alone be on the roof to check the roof after using a ladder. Anyways, it was one of the interesting stories about Grams and Gramps. <laughs> because that's going to help, right? <laughs> ladders. The roots of the functional design of ladders as we know them today can actually be traced back to the ancient Hebrews and Egyptian cultures, believe it or not. These are the civilizations that developed and perfected it. And yet it was uh, John H. Um, Balesley, well, he was a master carpenter and inventor. He actually invented a practical folding wooden stepladder and he received the first U.S. patent issued for a safety stepladder in the mid-1800s. That's the history of ladders. Ladders are good. They're gateways to places uh, we cannot reach, like in my house, trying to clean the vaulted ceiling windows. Michael Matthews was kind enough to let me use his ladder that extended up. There I am on the ladder. <laughs> trying to clean the windows, right? They're gateways. We ascend and descend by means of the gateway. That's what ladders do. That's the function of the ladder. We ascend and descend on the gateway, on the ladder. And that's the picture we see of Jesus here. He's the ladder, He's the gateway. And as we come to this part in John's gospel, remember John saying, come receive Jesus or come trust Jesus or come know Jesus or come believe in Jesus. Today we'll see, come climb the ladder. Come climb the ladder. God has the perfect revelation of himself. And that's Jesus. Jesus is God's perfect revelation of himself on how to get to God. Jesus is the gateway to heaven. He is the only ladder to God the Father. He's the gateway to heaven. He's the only ladder to God the Father. There is no other way, so follow the person of Jesus. There's no other way. You will find no other way. Interesting the number of times you see the verb found in this text. You will find no other way because there is no other way. 
I brought up to you in previous weeks that John is gonna tell you about who Jesus is and why it matters, why it should matter to you. This is why it matters who Jesus is. Because Jesus is the Lamb, the Rabbi, the Messiah, the Old Testament fulfiller, the Son of God, the King of Israel, the Son of Man, you'll find that he's the only gateway to God, the only ladder that can bring us to God, so follow him. So Christian, you keep following him. Follow him. Works won't do you any good. Being a good person won't do you any good. Having a certain political viewpoint won't do you any good. It's not about that. It's, as we said, as we sang, it's in Christ alone. It's only him. This is a significant part to this gospel because this is where we see the first disciples come to follow Jesus. The only one Jesus called is Philip. The others come because of first John's witness, but then the witness of others following Jesus. Following Jesus has to start somewhere. And, and, and you'll, you'll see or read these guys saying things and they're speaking better than they knew. I mean, you, you can go to the end of the book and, and read the end and you, you get that. They're living in this time and as these words come out of their mouths, they're speaking better than they knew. They really, in some sense, had no idea what they were saying. Or they had their only viewpoint what they thought they were saying. And that's why Jesus is gonna really unfold who he is to these guys, these first disciples, and, and really unfold in the beginning of this gospel who he really is. He's the gateway to God. We see things differently than them. Well, do we? Are you at a place in your following Jesus where you have arrived? Not a chance. These guys began to follow Jesus only knowing a short amount of info regarding Jesus. And you'll see their following him will grow and get stronger. Their belief in him will grow and progress these first disciples would learn, begin to learn who Jesus was and what it meant to be his disciple. His challenge would be, climb me. Understand that I'm the gateway. You must come through me. That's a huge challenge, which that's where we'll start, actually. Uh, Jesus is the only ladder to God. Let's go to verse 51. And he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now I'm gonna talk more about this verse later but I want to point out initially first when he says you're gonna see this, you're gonna see the glory of God because I am the way to God. As Jacob saw a ladder going up to heaven with angels ascending and descending upon the ladder, these disciples will see that Jesus is the ladder to heaven, to God, to see God's glory. If you like, go to Genesis chapter 28, because I'm going to read that for you. Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. Jesus is making reference to this. Genesis 28, verse 10, 
Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, the ladder. And behold, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Uh, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely Yahweh's in this place and I do not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Jesus says this on purpose. Jesus makes reference to himself here on purpose. Jesus is the only ladder to God. Now this is huge. You might say, okay, yeah, I get that. Well, this is so much against our culture which says there's many ways to God. We live in a culture that believes in pluralism. A many paths lead to God mentality. Jesus is clear. I'm the only way to God. Period. If you say this to somebody, you're accused of being arrogant. In some cases, you'll be persecuted for saying this. You'll get huge backlash because our culture does not believe that. There's not many paths to God. There's one path and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. The the scary part is people who call themselves evangelicals are doubting this very truth as well. People that call themselves followers of Jesus doubt this very truth that I'm saying. This is why this matters. Jesus is the only ladder to God. And as you climb the individual steps on this ladder, Lamb, Rabbi, Messiah, Old Testament fulfiller, Son of God, King of Israel, Son of Man, seven, you'll find Jesus to be the only way to God. Follow him. So on our ladder, we have seven steps. Not like a step like that, but there's gonna be seven steps on our ladder that describes Jesus being this gateway to God. I'm gonna give you these seven steps. Actually, John does. So notice the first step. Step number one, he's the Lamb of God. Verse 35 to 36. Here's the step on this ladder that Jesus is. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked upon Jesus, gazed upon him intently. These two were John the Baptist. They were his disciples. They'll leave him for Jesus. And we find out later one was Andrew. The other was most likely 
John the Evangelist, who's writing this very gospel. In verse 36, he looked upon Jesus. Actually, the word means he fixed his gaze upon Jesus. He looked directly at Jesus intently. This would definitely get the attention of his two disciples. And notice, he said, Behold the Lamb of God! And remember, we looked at last week John's testimony his thinking was a lamb for judgment for us we know Jesus is the lamb who takes away all our sin he's a sacrificial lamb but here's this first step of this gateway this ladder the first step Jesus is the lamb of God here's step number two another step is he's the rabbi verse 37 the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus when they heard John say this they began to follow Jesus follow means follow as a disciple they took the first steps of, as one writer put it, quote, genuine discipleship. They stopped following John to follow Jesus, which is the fruit of his witness. As far as John's concerned, he's like, ah, perfect, mission accomplished. That's my goal. That's what I wanted to do. I'm decreasing. Jesus must increase. Now, of course, they didn't fully understand what exactly they were getting themselves into, that's okay. These initial steps are true steps that need to be taken for there to be true discipleship. Look at verse 38. Turning, Jesus saw them following him. And he said to them, what do you seek? Turning, God turns his people in answer to the prayer to bring Messiah. He's turning and then he says, are you ready to seek me? Are you seeking me? What do you seek? A confronting question by the word Messiah really to anybody who's gonna seek to follow him. Are you following Jesus? He's asking you, what are you seeking? Are you seeking Jesus? And and notice what they say. Here's the step. What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi. Which translated means teacher. So in other words, Rabbi, Master, we are your students. We're your students. We're here to learn from you. We're placing ourselves under you. Now, did they understand fully how they were addressing him? Probably not. I mean, you look back to uh, verse 49. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi. He calls him Rabbi here too. But initially, they're saying, teach us. We want to be where you will be leading us. We want to follow you. Notice, Rabbi, where are you staying? Staying. They wanted to be where he was. Interesting, there's actually a deeper meaning to their question because Jesus will call his disciples to stay with him. John 15, the same word. Will you remain with Jesus? Will you stay with Jesus? Is what it means to follow him. Look at what Jesus says, verse 39. He said to them, Come and you will see. They came therefore and stayed where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, which is about 4 p.m. Here's the beginning of their intimate relationship with Rabbi. Uh, Their action of going with him shows what true discipleship entails. 
They stopped doing this and they started doing that. And of course, did they understand everything? Of course they didn't. When they called them rabbi, did they understand that? No. When John said Lamb of God, they, no, they didn't. They didn't understand everything about that, but that's okay. It was these initial steps because to come and see is to place ourselves in discipleship mode. And and it's not a task that you complete, really. A true follower of Jesus is constantly striving to be centered upon Jesus. I keep following Jesus. It doesn't stop. It continues, right? They stayed with him. Yeah, you see the practical outworking of John's statement. The word became flesh and remained with us. So he's, he's the lamb. That's the first step. Another step on this ladder, he's the rabbi. Here's a third step on this. Step three, he's the Messiah. Verse 40, this is where this part begins. One of the two who heard John and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And the other one, most likely, we think, is John the Evangelist, who's writing this gospel. Notice what he does. Verse 41. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. First, he went and found his brother to tell him about Jesus. The most common and effective evangelism is the private, personal witness of one friend to another, one relative to another. He says, come. We found the Messiah, which means the anointed one. It means or denotes the king of Israel in the Old Testament. Anointed in the Old Testament was for consecration, to set someone apart for the work of God. And here, Messiah, it's God's anointed one. He's anointed to be his prophet. He's anointed to be the priest. He's anointed to be the king, the prophet, priest, and king. Again, Andrew's speaking better than he knew. Did he really understand everything that was involved in this? I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And notice he gives a translation uh, there at the end of verse 41, which translated means Christ for Hellenistic Jews reading this and others. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked intently at him, the same gaze that John gave to Jesus in verse 36. He intently looked and fixed his gaze on Simon and he was intent on something. He renamed him, you are Simon the son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word meant the rock in Aramaic. It's the first time Jesus renamed Peter or Simon. And later, Matthew 16, he gave the significance of his name change. He becomes a Jesus follower. So here's these steps, Lamb of God, Rabbi, Messiah. Here's another step on this ladder of Jesus being the gateway. Step four, he's the Old Testament fulfiller. He fulfills the Old Testament, verse 43 through 46. Notice, the next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee, he found Philip. Now the he could be Andrew, or the he could be Jesus. It's hard to determine who it was, who this he is, I vote for Jesus because he's the closest antecedent. The gospel talks about Jesus moving, not any of the disciples. So I think it's him, Jesus. He found Philip and he's the one that called Philip to himself. The only one he called, the only disciple Jesus called himself in this gospel. 
uh, Philip would not understand Jesus' power or his relation to the Father. It was actually Philip who said, Jesus, just show us, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. It's Philip who's going to ask that question. Found Philip, called him to follow him. He's from the same hometown as Andrew and also from Philip. Excuse me, Andrew and Peter, excuse me. Notice verse 45. Philip found Nathanael. He goes, Andrew found Peter. Philip finds Nathanael. And look at what he says. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. We, what, what, there's, there's we, notice the motley crew is growing. This band of nobodies as new followers come to receive or know Jesus, they become his witnesses to others who also become his followers and the whole process repeats itself. This is vital here because notice that the personal testimony of a new follower of Jesus is probably one of the most fruitful ways to lead others to become followers of Jesus. There's a place for open air evangelism. That's true. But it's that personal connection that you have with somebody with another person that gives greater validity because they see your life. Nathaniel was a personal name for Bartholomew. He was in three of the four lists of the apostles. Notice he says, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Yes, it's true. Jesus fulfills Old Testament scripture. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the prophets. Again, he spoke better than he knew. He says, he was the son of Joseph, the one from Nazareth. The name of his village is where Jesus was from, a common way in first century to address someone in Palestine. And look at verse 46. Nathanael said to him, what? Good, did anything good come out of Nazareth? Galileans were despised by those in Judea, but the Nazarenes were despised by everybody. Everybody hated people from Nazareth. They were losers. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. He was a nobody. In the eyes of the culture, he was a loser. Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. This one is worthy of your attention. Challenge to Nathaniel from Philip to see Jesus for himself. Along with a challenge to anyone today who's not trusted in Jesus Christ. It's a challenge for you. Are you here and do you not know Jesus? Come to him and you will see him. Come to him and he'll save you. He'll forgive you of all your sins. Come and follow Jesus. He'll show you mercy and grace. That's a challenge to you. Come and see. That is not what we say to people as they're, they're grappling through Christianity. We, just, we should just say to them, just read the scripture for yourself. Let it speak for itself. Come and see. Well, notice what happens, which leads us into the fifth step on this ladder and the sixth step on this ladder. The fifth and sixth step. He's the son of God. He's the king of Israel. Verse 47, 
Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in, him, in whom there is no guile, a true Israelite. Nathanael was true with no guile. One writer says, without pretense, no deceit. Nathanael was an Israelite without any two-faced hypocrisy. He was a true seeker of God, devoted to him. Look at verse 48. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. How did you see me? How do you know me? I saw you. Jesus declared his supernatural knowledge. Now, we don't know what exactly Nathanael was doing at the fig tree. And, and the guys try to speculate. Oh, he's picking figs. Oh, he was doing this. We don't know what he was doing. Who cares? Why does that matter? It doesn't matter. If it mattered, John would tell us. John doesn't tell us because that's not the point. The point is not what he was doing. What matters most is that Jesus made known his supernatural knowledge, which entailed not just his physical location, but a spiritual one too. He knew the state of Nathaniel's heart. He knows the state of your heart too. Jesus knows it perfectly. Notice what Nathaniel says, verse 49. Here are the steps. Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, we saw that one, the teacher. You are the son of God, you're the king of Israel. Definitely, Nathaniel was speaking better than he knew. And yet with no shadow of a doubt, he described Jesus with, the, with these three different titles. Rabbi means teacher, remember? Third, uh, excuse me, second, the son of God mean being the true Israel, he's Messiah. Again, speaking better than he knew because for us as John readers, we know when, when, when John, here the evangelist, writes about Jesus being the son of God, son of God means his unique relation to and intimacy with the Father. Remember John 1.18, who's in the bosom of the Father? Uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, the word was with God in a personal, relational, intimate way. Son of God describes not just his title as the Messiah, but his metaphysical relationship to God as given in the prologue. He's in the bosom of the Father. The Father has the eternal, or the Son is the eternal generation from the Father and full of love from the Father. You're the Son of God. Notice he says, you're the King of Israel, King which means the anointed one who would be consecrated to be the king of Israel. Again, he spoke better than he knew because someone who's going to be the king of Israel is going to be the Messiah. Uh, As far as the first century Jews were concerned, they expected a political military king who would come in and (laughs) kill the Romans. Jews raise up, hey, all right, go, 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 Jesus, yeah. You'll find out later in John's gospel, John chapter 6, they were going to take Jesus and force him to be king, make him king by force. And Jesus had to stop that process. That, that was the, they wanted a political military king. Not a dying king. Look at Jesus' response, verse 50. He answered and said to him, 
Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? This could be a question, or it could be a statement. Either way, there's true faith here. Small, yes. Immature, for sure. But he's saying, you think that was awesome? You're going to see greater things than that, pal. Nathaniel will see the glory, goodness, grace, truth of God. Notice Jesus promised this to them. You know, interesting too, just make a note of this. Nathaniel was the first one designated by Jesus in this gospel to believe. And Jesus didn't doubt his belief, only the depth of it. And that's where he's going to challenge that. You trust Jesus? It can be a mustard seed type trust, of course. But you know what's going to happen? He's going to challenge that trust. And he's going to squeeze. Do you really believe me? Are you really seeking me? Because as leads to the step on this ladder, the seventh step that we see, he's the son of man. He said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, that phrase, truly, truly, you see this a lot in John's gospel. Uh, Jesus will say that a lot in John's gospel. And, and it means this. This is confirmed. Uh, it's like in the Old Testament, um, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. One writer puts it like this. It's an authoritative preface. In other words, listen strong and hard to what I'm about to tell you. This is a big deal. So wake up. I'm not saying to you to wake up. Go back to sleep, sorry. Notice he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see. Now you can't see this in the English, but in the Greek, the you is plural. It's not singular. It's amen, which is plural. So he's not just speaking this to Nathaniel. It's not just directed to Nathaniel. It's directed to all the disciples who are standing there. He's going to expand their expectations of what they were actually seeking in Jesus. You shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Son of Man is an authoritative title tied to eschatological times. This goes back to Daniel chapter 7. The Ancient of Days will come and the Son of Man is there, one like the Son of Man. And Jesus will designate this about himself. Not as much as in the synoptics, but a few times that he does this in John's Gospel. And, and it's a title that has themes associated to it. The themes of the cross, resurrection, exaltation. So when Jesus uses this title about himself, Son of Man, it's speaking about all of Jesus' person and, and all of his ministry, it will show that he is the authoritative way to the Father. You will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on me. I'm the ladder. I'm the gateway. 
there's the challenge. You will see the glory of God because I am the way to God. As Jacob saw a ladder going up to heaven with angels ascending and descending upon the ladder, these disciples will see that Jesus is the ladder to heaven to God. He's the glory of God. He's the goodness of God. And for a Jew reading this, this would be huge. Wait a second. You mean to tell me that you're the ladder that Jacob saw in Genesis 28? Uh Uh-huh. It's me. I'm the gateway. It's only found in me. Jesus relayed this to himself. This is huge. Because Jesus is the gateway to heaven. He's the only ladder to God the Father. He's God's perfect revelation of himself on how to get to God. There is no other way. Follow him and you will face huge backlash if you say this and if you believe this. And and sad you even have backlash from people who call themselves Christians. There is no other way. He's the lamb, the steps on this ladder. Lamb, rabbi, messiah, Old Testament fulfiller, son of God, king of Israel, son of man. That's the ladder. That's who he is. And you'll find that he is the only gateway to God, the only ladder that can bring us to God. Keep following him, Christian. Keep climbing the ladder. We put all our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we sang in Christ alone. It's through Christ alone the Father loves us. It's through Christ alone that we have salvation. It's through Christ alone that His Spirit's working in us to make us more like Jesus. It's Christ alone. It's keep following Him. He's the only way to God. Your good works aren't gonna do it. Your coming to church isn't gonna do it. You're doing this and doing this, it's not gonna, it's, it's Jesus, He's the gateway. Let's take a moment and pray. And so Jesus, we ask that you would help us by your spirit to keep following you. We live in a world that denies this truth. And it's, it grieves us that there's even churches that deny this truth. And so help us to hold this with humility and yet with passion. To stand firm in this truth with grace and yet with gentleness. Help us as a church not to waver. And remind us, Father, remind us that when we sin, when we fall short, it's not going to be. It's, it's not going to be repenting that's going to bring us to you. It's Jesus who does that. Because Jesus, you're the gateway. So may it bring about a response of repentance and bring about a response of trusting you.
I'll encourage you at this time, which we do each week, to take this moment, these few moments, to fill your mind with truth. May you ponder on what we've seen from God's word this morning. And you know, we'll, we do that, sing a couple songs, we pray. As ways for you to respond in singing and way to respond in praying. Let this time be between you and the Lord. A sweet time to fill your mind with truth and to think on these things. Please do that now.